Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the American Rugby Show. I am one of your hosts, Alex Corbisero, joined by former USMLR Coach of the Year, Rob Hoadley, and the most capped USA Rugby Eagle in history, Todd Clever. This is the State of the Union. This is where we talk all the biggest news stories and gossip in the US rugby landscape, and we hear from interviews and players across the MLR and the global rugby scene. So today's guests, we have an absolute stacked lineup. We have from Rugby ATL, which has been a theme getting more and more talk on this pod as they're having more and more success in the MLR. We are sitting down with two of their star players, their captain and Canadian international Matt Heaton and USA Rugby International and starting loose head Chance Wingluski. We're going to get to that in a minute. But guys, welcome to the show. Lots to talk about. And now a word from our sponsor. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbooks experts. You cannot ignore today's announcement that USA Rugby have decided to make bids and proposals for the 2027, 2029 Women's and 2031 Rugby World Cup, sending shockwaves across the rugby landscape. Let's discuss. Rob, your thoughts. Well, I mean, you know, we knew that that this process was going on behind the scenes, but to see it come out like this, I mean, uh, it's just incredible. You know, Uh, we, we like to talk to, you know, Todd and to all our guests about their rugby journeys um, and, and, you know, for young kids now to see MLR and think, well, you know, that's a real thing. And not only for the kid to think that, but the family of that kid to think, right, we can support you in your ambitions here to play MLR. Um, and you could be at the Coliseum or SoFi or playing with Matt Gitto or, or, or playing with Matt Heaton or, you know, Joe Peterson, Paddy Ryan, pick pick the stars across the league, Le Guizamon. Uh For now, not only that, but you could be playing for your country in a home World Cup. This is absolutely phenomenal for, for the growth of our game and now for the development that's going to happen, um, the visibility, the credibility, uh, the, the business opportunities, the sponsorship opportunities, the TV money, which we, we, we need all those things to grow our game. And we need those things to put the money back into the grassroots to get the young, the young numbers up to support the top of the game. Because ultimately what this is going to do, if we have the World Cup in uh, 27, 29 or 31, ultimately we need to take to competitive teams to those tournaments to get the country behind us. That will absolutely change the landscape of rugby in America and potentially the world. So the aim is to hit that top Eagles teams to perform, but it's going to come from the growth at the grassroots level. And, And again, I think... Listen, we've got to give a massive shout out to the MLR owners as well, um, because what they've done for the game, they put, they've been the ones that put their money behind it. Uh, and the growth we've seen since the inception of MLR has, in the four years, there's never been growth like it in the American game. And now we have this opportunity. So, I mean, look, I'm, <laughs> I'm so excited about it and I'm banging on. But Todd, you probably even have a, you know, a much more interesting take from an American point of view and what it means to people like you. The, put so much into the game. No, I mean, I've been counting down the sleeps until we are going to announce it and and finally uh, got, the, got the tip off uh, that is coming out tomorrow. And, and I mean, people are getting behind it. It is so awesome. And that's what we're going to have to do. I mean, the Rugby World Cup is the third largest sporting event in the world behind Summer Olympics and Soccer World Cup. So, you know, they see the numbers. They see, you know, the viewership. They see the sponsorship that was in – in uh, Japan, I mean, that's where we're going with all the stats is, you know what, 2019, 
you know, when Japan hosted the Rugby World Cup, uh, it was off the charts. And World Rugby took a gamble in, in, in giving it. They're like, oh, we'll, we'll give it to you, but we don't know where it's going to go. And it just paid off. So, I mean, if we can just take, you know, uh, you know, some of their playbook actions, some of their big corporate stuff behind it. Now we have a professional league, a professional model. We have the facilities. I mean, as you mentioned, look at, you know, stadiums across the country. There's definitely going to be some logistical uh, challenges along the way. But I mean, everybody, you, if there's a will, there's a way. And we have everything there. And uh, I'm just so excited. I'm excited to be the biggest fan. I'll be at as many games as possible. And, you know, just to rewind it back to, you know, comparing us to uh, soccer, to MLS. I mean, whenever the USA hosted the Soccer World Cup in 1994, I remember as a young kid going to Stanford, uh, watching, you know, Cameroon play, I think, Russia. I think that was the game. And, and just the, the atmosphere and the lively wow. and the whole world coming together. And I just said that, you know, I wanted to travel. That's when I got my travel bug is like, I want to, you know, experience this. You know, for us to, to, to nail this down, to introduce, you know, cultural uh you know, countries, visitors from around the globe coming to our shores, uh, you know, the wave is just going to be massive. And I'm so excited. Uh, and, you know, I will volunteer as much time as I have uh, for us to, 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 to land this, to land this bid for sure. The old saying, if it don't make dollars, it don't make sense, is one of the things with with these World Cups. I think, you know, traditionally, the World Cup's always been on a rotation of, you know, an established rugby nation where they knew they were going to make a good profit, whether it be the UK, France, those sort of markets. And then they would want to go for a growth market or something more exciting. Um, and, and that was Japan. But what, what they found out is Japan actually turned into a complete financial success. And it's one of the bedrocks that World Rugby's ability to survive COVID is off the bedrock of a successful World Cup and, and finances in the kitty from that. And so when you look at it in America, it has to make sense dollars-wise for this to get off the ground. So the plan economically has to make sense. And that's one of the things that when I look at the bid, 2027 maybe seems a little too soon to me. I know Australia have made a bid for that as well. But 2031 seems absolutely right for the US with the time, a bit more growth in the MLR. I think as well, just from some of the big pieces, I think there's an Olympics and a soccer World Cup in the United States or like sandwiched around that 2027 World Cup. And for this World Cup to make sense, you're going to need blue chip, big sponsorships, commercials, the right broadcast partners, the right hosting agreements, and sort of sandwiching it between two big sort of properties like that never has made sense to me. And that 2031 is is really the one where it actually opens up a lane. I think you'll get an Australia World Cup, which will be very successful in 2027. I know South Africa want to make a bid after they feel hard done by that they don't have the 2023 World Cup as well. So there's lots of like moving parts in the landscape but on a whole I think the stars align there and the uh, the other thing that I like about the bid is that there's the partnership of women's world cup being partnered with that and I think not every host nation for the world cup is in a situation to really say we could honestly host a women's world cup but I think America really is. There's such a strong women's rugby presence here. Title IX in universities as well. The, the sort of the success of the women's soccer team, the, the women in sport empowerment movement is has got a bedrock base in the United States. I think that whole package of a 29 World Cup for the women's and then roll into a 31 for the men's, to me, is like mouthwatering sort of the, the opportunity. And I think you guys hit the nail on the head of like what the potential positives are from it and then i think logistically to me that 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 is a year where this really makes sense yeah i mean that's your opinion i think we're ready for 27 so uh you know keep it coming you think all those big <laughs> you think all those big companies will shell out money for the olympics and the soccer world cup and then hold some back for rugby as well is that what you're saying oh we'll, we'll, we'll move up that i'm just asking <laughs> i just asked there's a lot of big name sponsors in the world cup sort of categories that also share or in the same sort of threshold as the Olympics and the, and the Rugby World Cup. So that's my biggest worry, is, is the dollars make sense sort of mantra in, in the United no, States. I, I mean, you are making a lot of sense, a lot more sense than me, mother, other than just me wanting it faster. And, you know, you're more patient person than I am. But, uh, you know, I just know I'm ready. Nah, I'm ready too. And I think Rob's also 
point of of getting the team to a point of competitiveness because I think one of the things that was so captivating about the the the, the World Cup in Japan was the fact that Japan were banging it in the in in the group stages and and got to a quarterfinal and I think that has to be one of the things that is a catalyst for growth for rugby in America a bit like the success of the U.S. teams in the Olympics the national team doing well on the big stage and young kids seeing that will want to pick up an Eagles jersey and want to get in there and I think it just gives us a little bit more runway to close that tier two to tier one gap as well as the MLR is 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 booming our development and and moving us forward. Yeah, that's right, Corbs. Uh, and, uh, you know, we've discussed it previously, but the difference between Japan uh, in the build-up for their World Cups was that they, knowing they had the World Cup and they had to present a good front and they had to get the people involved, the contact time that they had with their players, they basically created a Japan club team. So they took all their... Uh, the top players played top, uh, uh, top league in Japan but everyone else they took out and they were just they just played together almost relentlessly for two or three years i went to uh, camps in uh, altitude where eddie jones had them training that was for the english world cup and then jamie joseph took over for um the previous world cup but it was the the time together and and now for us we've now got to get serious as a country about how how are we going to compete because if we have an end goal in mind we can work back from there and say we've got to get to a certain standard and the point of difference for a tier two nation at some point has to be that you have the guys together more than the tier one con- countries. Because the tier one countries are still playing more competitive games a season than our players. So, you know, MLR is fantastic, but it's way less games than a European season. Uh, or, or even, you know, foreign, uh, sorry, Southern Hemispheres that play, say, Curry Carp and Super Rugby. They're playing more games and more competitive games. So, but you need funding to have players together, especially in America, with the geographical limitations. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that changes. Uh, but we've we've got to f- find now what is our competitive advantage because we have to accelerate quicker than our opponents between now and hosting the World Cup. Yeah, I know, and I know uh, USA Rugby and World Rugby are working together uh, alongside. They they know MLR is here to stay. And that's about working with the calendar, making sure that, you know, we don't have, and we've talked about it in previous issues, uh, of, of country versus club. So once we start to get that calendar right, once we have our guys firing on all cylinders, getting ready, getting the right amount of rest, because there is a, you know, there is something where you can play too much rugby. So as long as we take that player welfare stance, um, you know, sky's the limit for our guys. Uh, we just need to get them together. You think that time together, Rob, if you're, say, World Rugby and you're going to be investing a lot of capital in trying to get this World Cup off the ground because you see the long-term financial success off the back of it, is that something if you, or or World Rugby, if you put yourself in their shoes, would you see uh, a positive outcome from uh, funding these dollars so that you could have those resources of time together? Or do you think that's something the US has to find on their own? Well, well, show me a person at the moment who isn't excited by the Rugby World Cup potentially being in America, right? And now try and show me a person that isn't excited by the potential of USA performing brilliantly in that World Cup. That makes it even more exciting. So everyone in the world wants, everyone in the world of rugby wants this to happen. Everyone in the world of rugby wants USA rugby to perform and and ignite the nation behind it. So yes, Corbs, there are, I think there are going to be opportunities where that can help. They can help with the facilitation of that. We also, as a country, have to, as you say, go out and get those sponsors. You know, ourselves. Um, it's not easy. There's a lot of competition, as we know, in sport in America. But uh, you know, if the dollars are there, we've got to find them. And uh, we just need to look. We just need to give our young players, men and women, the best chance of going out and performing and winning and getting to the latter stage of the World Cup. Um, and so. We've got to find the best ways to give them the best chance. And that, that's our goal now between now and hosting the World Cup. And it's our, our goal between now and the, the France World Cup. You know, that doesn't change. But I think this gives us the opportunity to accelerate that process. Rob, I, I, I couldn't have said that better myself. And, and that kind of segues to the other news topic of the week, which was that MLR announcing the draft is back. We had the first one last year during COVID, the virtual draft. And now the next draft is for, for, for scheduled in August. Rob, as a, as a former head coach, 
like how exciting is that that the prospect we talk about the developing pathways and getting kids playing like this is all part of a piece of the puzzle in in the development of the american landscape yeah well look 20 odd kids came through from uh the first draft Connor Mooneyham was number one pick. He's been sensational for Austin. Andrew Guerra was the 10th pick. He's, his work rate stats uh, and his efforts for, for Nola have been sensational. And that's earned him a call-up. People may not have known too much about his game. And all of a sudden, he's in the Eagles squad and he's going he's gonna to travel to Europe. Um, he could be playing at Twickenham or Aviva. We'll see. But what an opportunity and what a pathway for these lads. And again, um, we've got to think, what would these guys be doing if they didn't have that channel a lot of them would be actually lost to the game or they'd be maybe playing club rugby and working but now you see the guys that accelerated but there's going to be other guys that they get drafted and four or five years down the line they start to break through um but we've now got a pipeline so look it's fantastic it creates drama as well it creates some more excitement it's it's ingrained in the american culture we have to do things in an American way. We, we're not copying other people from around the world. We're taking the best bits and then making it American. And uh, I think another highlight of it, lads, is that the, the Canadian colleges are now going to be included this year, which opens up a huge new talent pool as well. Yeah, I mean, that's huge. I mean, growing up in, in America, you always saw sort of the NBA draft or, or the collegiate, uh, you know, for the NFL and, and uh, the combine and how, how all that. I mean, if we can get a sliver of that, uh, it'd be interesting to see what kind of suits and what kind of chains that these guys are going to be wearing, what kind of shoes and how shiny they are, <laughs> and uh, home videos when they're on their couch just celebrating with their loved ones. Uh, I mean, I'm just fast-forwarding it all. But uh, no, I don't think I don't think rugby uh, has that in, in personality of it. But it, it's so exciting. And and you touched on it exactly. And the, and the word that we've always missed in America and that's, that's been hurting us is pathway. And if this is a pathway, and now now you're going to have uh, these high school rugby players being like, okay, well, you know, this university had this many, you know, draft picks going into the MLR. They're going to look like that. So hopefully the, the universities are seeing this and, and their, uh, you know, sports, you know, commission of, of being like, let's invest in rugby. Let, let's give them the best opportunity. So, I mean, not too long ago, it was mostly a club sport. It still is a lot of club sport. How can we make it into that varsity? How can we go NCAA? Because we are going to get featured. We are going to have this kind of, uh, you know, uh, pullback uh, and pushback from it. So I, I think another impact is as well, you see fantastic foreign coaches coming into the league. We had Darren Coleman on the pod uh, from LA Guiltinis. And he's taught, you know, we were asking about, well, how do you scout these young fellas? And who do you have on the ground helping you understand the American landscape? He said, now, honestly, honestly, I didn't know. You know, I didn't know. You can't succeed now. You're forced to go and study the tape. You've got to have recruitment uh, a pathway to to see who are the, the kids coming through that we want to pick. So these foreign coaches come in. They they it's now their duty to understand what's happening at the lower levels and also feed into that and put put a bit more attention into uh, uh, their own academies as well as studying what's happening on the college scene. So I think that's uh, that's also a great development for for tying up what's going on across the country. Because Todd, as you knew before with the Eagles, it's like a recommendation, but there's no footage. There's, you know, some bloke in the pub says his mate's all right, you know, uh, but there, there was no system. And now slowly it's been grown. And again, we want to create rugby families, kids that are playing from seven years old and they play from seven and their dream is to play for the Eagles. I'm going to play my club. I'm going to go to college, but if I don't go to college, there's an academy system. Uh, and no matter my path, I can get to MLR and I can get to the Eagles. So, Rob, this is my next follow-up and and is, you know, as a former head coach, this year has been, there hasn't really been much of any collegiate rugby for quite a while due to COVID. With, yeah. with that, how much harder do you think that makes, you know, the Darren Coleman sort of, uh, excuse which I was going to bring up of not being able to see it. But now as well, a lot of people are going to be faced with a bit more uncertainty of of, of not actually having like hard footage and, and results for at least a year, really, of, of on a lot of these players. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It does make it trickier. So, I, you know, I've actually just was speaking to Tim O'Malley and Brendan O'Meara from uh, St. Mary's this week. Uh, they managed to play, I think, six games, uh, beat Cal, had a couple of good wins against BYU. So, 
you know, there is bits of footage. Army, I think, only played uh, like three games, speaking to Matt Sherman over there, who does a great job. Um, so there it does become now your network. Um, and again, your relationships with the coaches at that level, uh, who are they going to recommend? You know, it's it's a tricky year all around. And, it, you know, recruiting is tough. But those relationships, who you can trust, uh, how you've dealt with those people then becomes important. Um, and obviously we're going to get more tape next year. I feel sorry, of course, for the biggest shame is for some of the lads that missed out and some of the, some of the girls that missed out on their college careers. You know, it's uh, it's heartbreaking, really, when, when they sacrificed so much to get to that level and it was taken away from them. Um, but there's still a bit of footage about. Uh, and then obviously, you know, you're looking at seniors, so seniors have a catalogue and a back history as well. Yeah, I mean, what you can talk about is, you know, a lot of these, uh, you know, men and women weren't able to play a lot of rugby uh, through their college games, so it's going to be hard. I mean, one thing that I know, you know, firsthand a success is is hosting these combines where, you know, you, you can really judge, you know, someone's, you know, speed, power, acceleration, um, uh, you know, fitness level and simple skills. Uh, you know, so so I wonder if they're going to use that or because or, I know a lot of MLR teams have had those sort of camps. Um, and if, if, if there's like a centralized one with the MLR, uh, that could be obviously another, you know, revenue of, of, of the excitement of building on the, on the draft system. If you make it a whole weekend or a week of, of, of that, uh, that's just kind of a, a thought that I, was, I, was, I just came up with because, you know, it, you, you got to have footage. You got to know character. You want to meet somebody. You want to shake someone's hand and look in their eye uh, of, of what kind of person they are. You know, if, if they're just uh, having a water bottle and throwing it on the ground, you, you, that's, not, that's the kind of guy you don't want in your team. You want someone that's, you know, picking up the water bottle with his and his buddies and all the tape. Uh, you know, that, those, those what make, you know, good teammates in a, in a rugby environment. So you, you want to see more than just footage on a screen or a number of there. You want to, you want to get to know it. So that would be, that would be so awesome if, if they did this some, somewhat of a centralized uh, MLR combine. I love the creative genius that we've just seen there. Uh, you just coming up with ideas on the spot, but I completely agree. I think it, it, like the potential is endless for this stuff of how to, how to market it, how to make it fit. I think last year was very rushed just to have a draft where this year I think will be a step up. But could you imagine in four, five, six, seven years of the draft and where it could eventually get to and as salary cap goes up and the way, like the, the possible contracts of say a first pass uh, pick draft pick could get guaranteed a certain level of contract to the MLR, you know, all different things like that make it, it, it incredibly exciting to me. And, and, you know, it could just be uh, something to watch out for in the, in the future. But guys, I, I think that's a great point to get to our interview of this week's show. I uh, appreciate your thoughts. It's time to throw two our sit-down interview with two of Atlanta's finest in Chance Wingluski and Matt Heaton. Full disclosure, there's about three different locations changes in the interview due to torrential rain in Atlanta, but enjoy it. There's plenty of backdrops. It's a great chat, and we'll chat again after. Well, this is the State of the Union, and we're we're joined by two big names from the high-flying uh, rugby ATL at the moment, sitting uh, on top of the East Coast Conference, riding huge momentum. We thought we had to get some of their players in. We're absolutely blessed and joined to have Captain Matt Heaton and standout loose head Chancellor Ingluski onto the pod. Uh, guys, welcome to the show, and it's a pleasure to have you on. Cheers. Thanks for having us. Yeah, pleasure's all ours. I think we've got to start with this game this weekend. Let, let, let's get it out. You know, it's huge. You versus New York, both sitting in the East. This could be a, a pivotal game in the in the landscape of that East Coast race and, and playoff finishes. Plus, you probably have the emphasis of the last game and, 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 and then beating you at home to, to, to sort of bolster you. You know, how are you feeling going into this weekend? Uh, feeling uh, feeling pretty good, pretty fresh, I'd say, for me. Uh, I'm, I'm real frothing uh, for this match. Um, you know, I didn't actually play them earlier in the season at home, so uh, you know, having to watch that one, having to see that L was a bit was a bit rough for me. And obviously, like you always want to, you know, put your efforts in, but obviously, when you're standing on the sideline, you can't do much. So having this opportunity um, coming up against New York, obviously, boys are ready to go. Boys are firing. You know, we've had a good week of training so far, and and just ready to head on to New York. The humidity has been pretty pretty epic here, <laughs> so hopefully, a little less humid up there, and we that can hopefully be our advantage for sure. Yeah, for me, it was uh, 
really after that game that we lost at home to them, it was like oh, that one crushed me because it felt like we lost the game. It wasn't that New York beat us. It was just we didn't play to our potential. So I'm really looking forward to this weekend to see how the boys go. Man, if, if, I, if I were you guys or, or this, you guys saying that you're fresh and everything else, I mean, watching the last few of your guys' games, I mean, you guys actually put it all out there. And, I mean, in that minute 70, you know, I see mismatches against you guys. But whenever there's a job that gets done, you guys have to you guys get up and do it. I mean, I went out to the L.A. game and saw you guys play and, and took it to the Giltinis, and, and it was it was impressive. I mean, the fans got behind you, but, I mean, how physical you guys were and getting the job done. Um, so f- to hear you guys say, oh, we're fresh and we're probably, I mean, I'd be, I'd be ready for a bye week or, you know, a couple of gillies, yeah. you know, to, on, on the beach. But, uh, I mean, that just kind of shows your guys' kind of mindset and, and credit to you guys for, you know, you know, you, especially against New York coming up, you know, one and two, two and one sort of, uh, you know, rivalry game and you guys going up there. So, I mean, that's, uh, that, that, that's awesome. And, and, you know, credit to you guys, because I know you guys are, are, are laying in the wood and, and putting in the hard work and, and obviously have a good uh, team culture to to have that that set. So that's awesome. Yeah, it's definitely I think it's definitely like the, the culture. We've kind of built this mentality of like, you know, we're just going to suck it up, get on with it. We're going to work hard. Everything. The boys work hard for each other and and we keep everybody accountable. So it's got this really good like mentality of like, we're just going to put the work in. We're going to put the work in. And if we fall short, we're just going to put more work in. So, um, yeah, it, it seems to be the winning formula. And, you know, we got a bunch of guys who want to put their bodies on the line. Um, so, yeah, when you, you kind of combine everything, you get this really good product. Um, I mean, defensive point of view, like sometimes our attack kind of is a bit lackluster. But then when it's on, too, it's on. So it's just finding that right balance, I think, for us of, of putting that big defensive shift in and then also being really kind of crystal clear on our attack um, and how we can really kind of take that into, uh, into New York. Yeah, I'm interested in that, Matt, and Chance, because um, you, you won't, you, you'll go a long way to get someone sitting here and not say those things. Like everyone's going to come on and say, yeah, we're going to work hard, you, you know. But very few teams can really live that and live that like Todd's saying in minute 80 to, and come off an emotional high against LA, travel and put it in again right down to get the penalty at the end of the game. So what's behind that, lads? Is it is it uh, something that Scott specifically put in place? Is it uh, amongst the players? Are there certain leaders in the group? Is there off-field activities? What do you think is behind you coming on here saying it, but then everyone else says it, but you actually do it every week? No, that's, that's, a, that's a great question. I know, you know, just from like a forward pack, we, we like to try to do as much homework as we possibly can on our opponent. We, you know, I think we've been very well as far as line out steals come this season and, and coming prepared come scrum time as far as like what their little techniques and stuff go are, are with that. So, you know, we, t- we heavily pride ourselves in, in the homework that we do, you know, off the pitch. You know, there's a lot of mental reps that go in with that. And there's a lot of like mental preparation um, with all, you know, just with the footage, like there's... A, what what's week uh week 13 now so a lot, a lot there's a lot of footage to review obviously but at the same yeah. time you know with that being said there's a lot of tendencies that occur with these teams and you know we have a great coaching staff that's you know pointing a lot of these you know small minute things out that we can capitalize on and that's kind of what we've just been focusing on week in and week out with with each team that we've come encounter with yeah and you can see that and was was it clearly laid out to you lads um at the start of this season or even the season four, this is our identity, this is how we're going to play? Or has it something that's evolved over time and, and through personnel? Yeah. It's funny because last well, last season was the first season of Rugby ATL. And yeah. uh, it was pretty interesting. At the start, we were all kind of, you know, saying like, what is going to be our team identity? Um, and we just, everybody said, we're a blue collar team. We're going to be the hardest working team in the MLR. We're going to be the most professional team in the MLR. And, you know, we've got a, fantastic coaches we've got great facilities and everybody who joins this team fits into that culture so like we don't have any you know we're all a bunch of just hard-working humble guys who like show up every day to training you know we're beaten up we're sore we get on with it it's just yeah it's a really good kind of team culture we built around that and it was you know we have the opportunity to kind of shape that culture and then when we move on the guys who come in will fit into that as well so we really like drive that that kind of family unity, like you can't see it, but the backs are having a, a meeting right now. They're having a barbecue 
um, <laughs> down, <laughs> down by the river. Classic. But like, that's the mindset is, you know, like we're going to have a meeting, but we're going to do it as a family. We're going to have a bit yeah. of fun. So they're out there doing that. Um, yeah, we, we see the guys here, like coffee shop. We're here every day together. We hang out. So we've got a really good kind of team atmosphere going, um, which I think builds into that kind of that aspect of, you know, we, we understand that we need to put in the work if we want to reap the rewards and it seems to be working for us. So we just keep doing it. I think, I think all of us have played at a level and played in different teams where you're out of your, you know, sort of element out of your comfort zone and everything else. But I mean, those are the sort of the best team environments that, you know, uh, and, and, and watching guys play, uh, especially what, what Hoadley was saying is, you know, between seven, minute 70 and minute 80, you, you know your teammate is going to, you know, you know yeah. put, a, put that effort out there. And I mean, what an what a Look awesome. at Chelsea Smile. He's like, yeah, I know. That's the best feeling in the game, isn't it? Exactly. <laughs> no, I love it. I'm, I'm, I'm all giddy smiles. Like once a minute 80 hits, minute 83 hits, you yeah. know, for that matter, like you just like, yeah. I can't reiterate it enough, but like there's, I have so much trust in these boys and obviously they have trust in me and trust in Matt. Um, to, that we're going to do our job at the end of the day, you know, whether it's, you know, we get pulled out minute 60, we go the full 80 plus, you know, it doesn't really matter. Like, I think everyone just bought in and, you know, I think we're, everyone's willing to lay their body on the line, like Matt said earlier. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's a cool, cool culture that we got have going on right here. Right here. And is it part of the game plan that you talk about that in minute 83, you want to give the other team the ball with maybe a two point margin and say, look, lads, this is it now. We want to defend the 83rd minute in our 22. That must be part of the plan, right? Our, our motto is back our D. So, you know what? We're just like, hey, hey, we'll kick it to you. If you can score, you can score. But you're not going to score. Back our D in 83. No, everybody. And I don't know, I guess, I mean, my leadership style, I think I just try and be one of the boys and just on, I'm more, I always say, I always joke and say, I'm an on-field leader. I don't like to say much of trainings, things like that. We've got a really good core leadership group who kind of, you know, they'll drive the lineouts and stuff. We've got game drivers. And if, you know, there's a lot of drop balls going down and a lot of guys, you know, are just kind of maybe having a chatty off day, something like that. And I got to bring the guys in and give a rocket. I will, but I'm more of a match day stuff because I've just got so much faith in all these guys that they know they're here for their job and they'll do their job. So I'm, I'm not too uh, stressed by it. And I think it's so clear to see the style of play that Atlanta have. And, and it is a very successful style of play. When they were installing it in the team, were there any examples of teams elsewhere around the world that they that Atlanta tried to emulate a style on? Or was it purely Scott Lawrence saying, hey, boys, this is the blueprint of what we want to build? Or like, where, where, where did it come from, the identity? Like, that, that that's always fascinated me because I see a little bit of Saracens, a little bit of few teams yeah. in there in the style of play that you have and I just wonder if there was like an origin story of how how you, you sort of be, built this identity I think really yeah it's a good question <laughs> I think I think Scott I know Scott picks players who are humble and hardworking and kind of would fit into a, a good professional environment and then Scott's very defense minded he's very like defense is the thing that he cares about most so that was always our you know our kind of bottom of the pyramid. It was, we had to have good defense. Um, you know, so we, we spend loads of time just on different tackle tracking, tackling, and we, we smash the shit out of each other every week. And everyone else. Oh man. Exactly. More importantly. Yeah. Was, I was like, I say it after every session, every uh, intensity session. I always say to the boys like, Hey, if we can smash ourselves like that and we go into Saturday, like game's going to be easy. Um, so yeah, it's, I'd say yeah for sure the uh, the base core value of the team is is solid defense. Um, our attack coach is Steve Brett, so there's you can see there's a little QE influence in that. He's a good is uh, good control of the game, so like that's where our kicking game comes in, and kind of getting opportunities from that. Um, yeah, and then it's just about as you kind of improve and get used to one style, they throw a, you know, curveball in there and we're going to try and start and do this and maybe we'll change this pattern and we're going to do that. Uh, you know, change up line calls, things like that. So it's, it's constantly being, you know, recycled, refreshed. If we like something, we keep it. If we don't like it and, and it doesn't work, then we, you know, ditch it and move on to the next thing. So it's very, uh, it's very organic. I think we, we have a core value of like, we can always rely on our defense and then just from that, we can kind of tweak our attack to cater, you know, what we need per game. So that, that must be a pretty good balance between Scott Lawrence and uh, Stephen Brett. 
I've played with both of those guys, you know, Stephen Brown, more of a, you know, a holiday tour all-star, yeah. you know, in Hong Kong and, and that. So, I, I mean, I know him, you know, off field and on field. And then uh, Scott Lawrence, as you said, you know, buttoned up defense and, and, and very structured on, on that. Um, do, does that complement each other? Do you know, how, how do you guys feel about on that, how that goes? He's pretty good. Uh, yeah, I say, I say they, it's it's very much like, like uh, yin yang with like a little, little more defense oriented. Obviously, like just kind of how the just the vibe has been going so far with the season. Just like a lot of tackling, but at the same time, like we're just trying to be spicy with our plays as well. Like I know the backs that we have in sore. Our forwards coach Blake, like we don't give him much credit, but he's done a really good job of, yeah. of getting that. Like we call it the killer mindset. So every week we go into the game and we're gonna go right. We're going to be ruthless, and these are the aspects that we're going to try and be ruthless with. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, you know, when we get our driving mall going, it's it's pretty mm-hmm. tough to stop, and we've got a pretty good scrummaging pact as well. Yeah, yeah. Say, yeah. Oh, 100%. <laughs> yeah. I'm very happy with the with the, with the the recruits that we've got. You know, obviously, we've had some, some early injuries that we obviously had to, you know, fix and take part in. And, you know, I, I, can't, I can't back my boy Manasa enough. Like, we brought him in from literally just straight from Fiji, came and helped us out and he's, he's obviously been a tremendous help as far as you know you know second half dominance goes um come set piece and stuff so you know overall it's 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 been cool it's it's cool to see like the culture truly build just like throughout the season going like i feel like we're continuing to i to figure out and identify who we are as a team you know every game has been you know might not have executed something well in one game but we'll do really well in a different aspect This week's American Rugby Show was brought to you by Gilly's Legendary Lager. A lager this crushable doesn't come around that often. Let's find out. I stand by that statement. Yeah. I, I think touching on from what you just said about the set piece, that is honestly one of the things that I love about your team. I know Rob is like the biggest lover of the defensive tactics and some of the, the strategy that you play because that's a big sort of emphasis of how he approaches sort of some of the fundamental building blocks of, of rugby. But when we look at the set piece, it's it's detail over detail. Like the mindset, I think, is fantastic, but you always are so well prepared. At line-out time, you disrupt. You scrum, there's always a little bit of variation or, or, or a key mindset. I knew when trying to prepare the, the pack to, to get ready for you boys uh, for when LA went down there, like it's a true test and that's what I loved about it is is that it's a team that's not looking to try and con you or or disrupt. It's like a proper challenge and, and, and I do think that's a real big part of your identity and can you just talk a little bit more about that set piece in your culture and, and how much that is a part of the style because I don't think you can have the defensive or a, or a game plan you do without that sort of set piece layer on top of it. Oh man, no. You're, you hit the nail on the head. Like I said before, like... The culture that we have with just in the, the tight five, the tight eight, you know, just those boys. I think everyone just we're constantly within each other's group, in each other's worlds, figuring out what's bothering the other person. So if someone's having a bit of an off day, like we like we can chat it out, we can discuss it, and then we go right back to work. Like there's no like like we said earlier, there's really no chiefs. There's a lot of Indians. We all just kind of commute around that fire, so to speak, and just like allow it to keep burning. So I know that at the end of the day. We just continue to rely on each other no matter what. If someone's having an off one, we just keep going at it. But, you know, homework is key yeah. at the end of the day. Like, people forget that, you know, you in order to be a professional team, you have to do your homework. Like, any proper career you choose in life, you, you have to, you know, continue to work hard and do those extra hours afterwards. And that's what really makes, you know, one <laughs> it's pouring down. It's pouring down. I can see all the back. <laughs> Hightail. Get out of the ring. <laughs> Barbecue by the river sounded like a good idea. But and if you look ahead at this season, guys, and what's left in the run-in, like, are there any goals internally as a squad that you've set yourself? Is first in the East, uh, is that the target, or is it just playoffs and that mindset? Like, what are you guys aiming or building towards? Like, what's that internal fire of of goal setting that you keep setting yourselves as you're sitting atop of the East? Well, we we've got steps along the way. The ultimate goal, though, is we're going to win. But to do that, we have to get top two in the East. And then we have to win playoffs. And then to get to the top two in the East, we'd have to beat New York. And then we have to beat Houston. So we just keep doing what we're doing. Um, so, yeah, that's it. It's We kind of worked reverse. 
how do we get the end goal? And then it was the steps to get there. Um, yeah, and every every week. And then we've got some other like kind of performance ones. We want to have the best defense in the league. Um, you know, the forwards, we set a pretty high standards. We want to have one of the top line outs. We want to have one of the top scrums. So we basically, we just want to be the best. So we're, uh, yeah, we kind of set the bar pretty high. Um, so yeah, we just kind of go for it. So what does a week look like now, lads? It might be quite interesting for people listening because, you know, we're getting five games left of the regular season. Does that change your approach? Are you still banging each other hard in training? Uh, and what's the plan for the rest of the week? You're on your day off now. Uh, when do you head out to New York? We, we are actually heading out um, kind of a little bit later than we, we have in the past. I know that when we went off to Seattle, we actually headed off. Um, it was a Saturday game. We left Thursday. So we, we had that extra night of sleep there, kind of just for the time change and stuff. Uh, but obviously, since New York's kind of on you know the East Coast with us, we we decided we're going to actually head out um, that that following day. So we're going to have just a quick quick turn in real early, and then literally be there for probably 24 hour be within that 24 hour range, so to speak, before game time. So so will you, you know, have any training there, Chance, or you just get in hotel play the next day? Uh, I believe the captains run. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, we, sh we should be having the captains run there, right there on the pitch. Okay. Uh, that's that. Right when we arrive, have the captains run, have a quick dinner feed, and then off to bed, and then have that game. You know, the following morning. You know, come come 2 p.m. So. And did yeah, you bang we, each other this week? Yeah, we're, we're actually we'll probably have a little bangering yeah. for sure uh, tomorrow. Oh, usually tomorrow it's, it's coming. It's coming. Yeah, okay. it's Sunday game. We usually have like those bang days on like Thursday, but yeah. it's going to be Friday this time around. So has there been any tapering, or are you just you you operating at the same level? Um, I think it's. Uh, I mean, we went pretty hard in preseason, and then once we started playing, and you know, you kind of get you get into a rhythm. Like you don't want to change yeah. too too much. Um, and then right now we're, we're in a pretty good rhythm. Obviously, if there's a few guys who, you know, uh, you know, every once in a while we, we get a guy who makes, you know, over 20 something tackles. Mm. So that guy will maybe get a little bit less on feed time. Mm. Just a little bit. Though. <laughs> we call them the Tesla. We put them in the charging station. So, um, yeah, so, you know, there'll be there is some monitoring. Like it's not just mindless, you yeah. know, like goonery. Yeah. Like we do have a, a really intelligent strength and conditioning staff who look right. after us. Um, so yeah, we do we do kind of cater a little bit to the individual's needs, um, but yeah, no, it's, it's still full steam ahead. Like we've got a winning formula, so we don't want to take yeah. away from that. We want to kind of keep it and, and go forward with it. Yeah, so. and I, th I think that competition in training shows that when you know when you when you weren't able to play last week, Matt, it, it, you don't skip a beat. You know, obviously the guys miss you, or when Ryan Goose can't play. Um, you've had your 10 out for the entire season, um, but people step up. And I think that only comes from true competition in training and consistent competition. Yeah, through it and throughout, I, I know specifically comes scrum time, you know, you know, we have like, I feel like every time, you know, Thursday comes around, Friday comes around, we have like scrum sessions, like our biggest competition is ourselves at the end of the day. And we, we just pound it like till like blood's coming out of our eyes, like, my favorite, you know. my favorite. No big dick contest today, lads. No big dick contest. It's always a big dick always. contest. We got one prop who wears the tightest jersey ever. So you can't bind on him and it always collapses. And he's like, oh, well, you can't bind. So it's a penalty against you. It's hilarious. Like the banter around the scrum. But, uh, but you can't complain with the competition. Yeah. Like, like I said, like everyone's fighting position every, in every week, so it's it, it's it's not. It doesn't. We make the job really hard for the coaching staff. At the end of the day, you know, everyone really wants to get on the field. Everyone's hungry to you know get as many minutes as they possibly can. So, you know, I, I'm I'm not the biggest fan when I get pulled off, just because I feel like I have a little bit more, and then sometimes. You know, I get I get the final gases left out of the tank, and they're like, "Coach, you're like, yeah, you should probably should have been taken out." Like, ah, nah. it's fine, it's fine, you know. But at the end of the day, that's just like the kind of competition we have on the inner squad. Like, everyone just wants to play, and that just drives everyone to you know really play their best. Going uh, going back, speaking of banter, uh, you know, Matt, you know, you being a, a proud Canadian wearing uh, wearing the jersey, chance you being uh, a proud flying soaring eagle. Um, and obviously this year coming up is an important year for uh, World Cup uh, qualifying. You guys, uh, you know, obviously we're in the height of MLR, but do you guys uh, ever chat about that? And I know you guys are both going over to Europe uh, in, in the upcoming weeks. Uh, any, any, any insight, any chat, any event going on? 
Oh man, not yet. I mean, <laughs> unfortunately, unfortunately, but it's our year this year. We did the rebuilding phase with Canada. We've rebuilt all the young guys. We've got our yeah, we've got our experience now. The U.S. got a bunch of uncapped players. If you look at the rosters. The Canadians are doing pretty well on all the MLR teams, so now just get them together, get the cohesion, It'll be fun. Yeah, I'm not. I don't really talk much banner. I'm. I'm. I'm I. I think I get a nickname with some of the like. At least Dwayne. Uh, he's like, yeah, man, you're the friendly bully, bro. Like, you don't talk anything, and then you just show it up on the pitch. So it's like, I, I kind of like to keep it that way. But you know, Maddie will always be my amigo. So you know, obviously, I always try to go a little harder when I know him personally. So. I know he probably has the same thing for me. I definitely got a target on my back, and I have my target on his, too. Oh, yeah. I'm so. going to undo all shoelaces. <laughs> just, just cheeky little things in the racket. All smiles, though. All smiles at the Six end of the day. Fingers and some holes. Oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> mate, he's game. He's ready, mate. I guess we've been on the losing end for a few times in a row. You need to talk yourself up to get ready for the next one, I'm yeah. sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we went through three coaches in one year, uh, like – bunch of retired players so it was uh yeah we we did the rebuilding phase it's good now it's looking like vintage canadian rugby is going to come back so i'm excited for some rivalry i'm always about it so i'm always happy to obviously not only represent my country but at the same time play you know play against friends play against family so you know enemies, I'm, I'm play against enemies. come on yeah <laughs> nah, it's, it's always the best yeah, but so so back to sort of uh, – I know that you mentioned Canadians all, all through the league. And, uh, Matt, I want to talk to you about sort of uh, the Toronto team. Obviously, we've talked about a lot on podcasts of how they're not, you know, during the COVID, uh, you know, times, they're, they're living basically in Atlanta. So they're, you guys are neighbors. So do you get to chat with them much, get to, get to hang out, find the insight? Because, I mean, we, we obviously feel sorry for them. But uh, as, a, as a fellow Canadian, I'm sure you have a little bit better insight for it. Yeah, I mean, the uh, <laughs> the guys literally, the lead up to it, they had no clue what was going to go on. And then they found out, like, I actually knew before they did as players that they were coming to Atlanta. So I was kind of like, yeah, yeah, we're in that camp. And I was like, yeah, you guys are based in Atlanta this year. And they were like, really? <laughs> when, when did that happen? I was like, oh, uh Sorry, yeah, I guess I wasn't supposed to tell you. <laughs> but, uh, no, it's good. We, we cross paths all the time just because our training schedules, like, they we use the same facilities. So we're kind of on opposite schedules. So it's a bit tough to meet up every time that, you know, one of, they're like, hey, we're free. And I'm like, oh, well, we're in the gym. So, uh, but, yeah, every once in a while we cross paths. And, you know, I know all those boys, so kind of catch up with them. And then, you know, I'll tell them, like, oh, yeah, you want to you wanna go to this place for a few beers or – you know, this place got good barbecue, uh, you know, take them out for coffee every once in a while. But, yeah, they're uh, they're holding on. It's it's tough. Everyone thinks, like, you know, it'd be living the dream to live in a hotel and things like that. But, you know, you miss your kitchen. You miss your bathroom. You miss your own stuff. And then it's like, you know, if you're – I think they're – right now where they're living is they have, like, a shared kind of living room type space, but they have their own rooms, which is okay. But if you get stuck with a slob or something like that, it's kind of – like, so yeah i know there's there's a bit of friction over there but uh no the boys are the boys are good like you know they're just gonna roll up their sleeves and like you know what it's the season from hell we're gonna get on with it and we're gonna come out at the end of it with (laughs) i said you're gonna come out of it with a hell of a story like you know in 20 30 years time you're gonna say i lived in a hotel for six months of the year in atlanta with a (laughs) yeah with a rugby team they played no home games they had, uh, I can't remember where they flew to, but then their flights got canceled. So they ended up taking like a 19 hour car ride or something crazy back. Like, like yeah, they just, <laughs> the guys are just grinders. Uh, so yeah, I've got, I've got a lot of respect for them. And, and just touching on your, your journey to the MLR, um, reading up on you a bit, you know, you came uh, actually through a little bit back home in the UK, playing at, at Darlington and Otley were the clubs before you, Join the MLR. Like, was it a hard decision to come to an American side? Did you have, you know, thoughts of of, of the Arrows being a Canadian player, or, or how did that work getting to Atlanta in the first place? Uh, I always I was keeping an eye on the MLR while I was playing for Darlow, um, and then I kind of I didn't want to do the same that everybody else did, uh, and I'm also I'm from Quebec, so I'm from the neighboring province of Ontario. And I'm technically French Canadian, even though I'm, I'm not. But so I just grew up 
not liking Ontario. And I said, I said from day one, unfortunately, the one team I will never play for is Toronto. Nothing against them. I think it's a great organization. I just couldn't do it. As a proud Quebecer, I was like, nah, sorry, can't be done. Um, yeah, for as far as Atlanta goes, I just said, you know, where's going to be the most unique kind of place for me? And, uh, you know, I was kind of having a look around the league um, and I actually knew Scott when I played under 20s my first year. Scott had coached the U.S. 20s team that won in Utah. And I said, you know what, this is a, you know, it's 20s, but he's still a winning coach. And, you know, I spoke to him on the phone and he's, he said, the bumper plates are going to be 20 kilos, but there's no red carpets. You're going to have training gear and you're going to work hard. And I was like, all right, you ticked all the boxes, so let's go. Where do I sign? Um, yeah, so no, it was, uh, yeah, it was a bit of a bit of a different one, but yeah, everyone says the same thing. Like, why don't you play for Toronto? I'm like, I can't. I'm not allowed. No, nah, love it. And then if you look at it, so from your your journey, you, you played sort of collegiate uh, high school collegiate rugby, and then you decided to go abroad. If you put yourself in the shoes of uh, now with the MLR here, do you think you still would have gone abroad? Do you think you would have tried to to stay within North America now with the MLR here and, and aim there first? Or do you think it was really beneficial for you that time abroad and you would do it again? Uh, 100% would do it again. I think uh, just, just with rugby in North America, like you're so behind with the total number of games you play. So I think uh, my first two seasons at Otley, I played like 60-something <laughs> matches, like men's rugby too. Like we, we kicked the crap out of each other. And, uh, and then in Canada, that, that's the equivalent of like four or five years of men's rugby. Like, so in like one or two seasons, I'd already like developed so much. And then playing, uh, playing for Darlow, like they had just a really good attacking mindset. So it just kind of changed my kind of outlook of the game a little bit. And then... Uh, at that time, I was starting to get involved with Canada, and I kind of was picking up the professionalism as it went. Um, and then the MLR, I just said, you know what? It, it looks a lot better than season one. And I just kind of said, you know what? Let's go. Let's move back. And those yeah. experiences abroad, did they prepare you better to be a leader in the MLR and set standards and, and the professionalism? Or is that something that you, you, you picked up in the culture in Atlanta? Uh, I think a little bit of both. I think uh, just... The more rugby you're around, you start to pick up little things and that. Like, you know, I can remember good captains, bad captains. I can remember, you know, big wins, what they felt like, you know, the the kind of the crap games where you're like, oh, man, I just want to get this over with because, you know, we've been absolutely thrashed here. Um, so just all these experiences. And then when you come to playing a game, you can draw on some of those. Like I, I, we were kind of talking about this the other day when we uh, when we beat Toronto, that last scrum, I was like, okay, to win the game, we're going to have to have a go of the scrum. Their eight's going to pick. He's going to carry really wide because that's what he does. And then I said to our eight man, I was like, I'm going to either chop him or you chop him. We'll get on the ball, hold the other guy in. We need the turnover. And then I was like, in my head, I was already, we're going to get the turnover. We're going to kick. We're going to maul because our maul is good. We'll get another penalty, bring it closer and go again. But anyway, we ended up just going into our face play. But it was like, that was the level of thinking that, you kind of get when you've played a lot of matches is you're already like okay how can we go from this situation where we if they if they had just kept that ball in the scrum they would have won that game no i think it's looking kind of funny because i remember you telling me like after the game like that was his this that was process kind of going into those last few minutes of the game and for me like i, I obviously like having matt on the team has obviously been you know a blessing in itself just because of you know the wisdom and the knowledge that he has with the game seeing something like that for me as a young player like I, I look up to that for sure and to see that and for him to break that down to like the moment by moment in which it happened like you have nothing else but faith in the moments in which that are occurring so for me like that was that was truly tremendous you know not just by like the whole 15 but the whole 23 you know everyone just bought into that whole entire process and we got the job done at the end of the day. So it was, that was a really fun win at the end of the day. I think, I think everyone was just ecstatic after that. And we just wanted to continue to ride that wave. And, you know, we're still riding that wave and we're just going to continue to feed off that wave. Nah, awesome. And then Chance, if we look at you and, and your season and everything that's going on, are there any goals you've set yourself this year? Like I, I personally have been incredibly impressed with you fr from the get-go to be, when I saw you playing at Lindenwood University and then going out and being able to play in the Eagle side, get your cap to play that uh, Maori All Blacks game, then get the cap against Ireland. I think you've just grown from strength to strength. Like, is that Eagles one a goal of yours this year to try and establish that? Is there any other targets you're setting for yourself? 
Oh, man. No, yeah. It, obviously, like I've said in the past, like, you know, being able to have the opportunity to represent my country, you know, at the highest level has always been like a major dream of mine. I, I kind of like told myself, you know, I want to get, you know, if I can get that, if I can get capped with the USA at the age of 22 and I was able to surpass that and get capped at the age of 21, like that was a blessing in itself. And, you know, I think for me, you know, MLR has done a lot for me as far as, you know, allowing myself to, you know, kind of capitalize on some of the things that, you know, I find myself being kind of good at. Um, you know, I, I've tried with Gary Gold and, and he's like, you know, you're a fit prop. You're like, you're not the biggest prop, but you're a fit prop and you, you have a really good work ethic as far as, you know, wanting to get to rocks, wanting to do clear outs, wanting to have, you know, solid scrum foundation. And so, you know, for me, my, my personal goal is to be the fittest prop in the MLR, the fittest prop, you know, in the U.S. pool. You know, I want to be, you know, the best player that I possibly can be. And if that means, you know, putting that little bit of extra effort in, you know, really trying to get my meters as high as some of the flankers and, and some even some of the backs for that he's matter. He's close. Some training sessions, he's close. Yeah, I, I'm really just pushing myself so I can't go anymore. And I think at the end of the day, like, I guess what I'm really striving for as just an individual and as a player is to, you know, compete at the highest level that I possibly can. And, you know, whether that be you know, in the MLR for being in Europe for whatever reason, you know, I, for me, I just want to outwork everybody. If you're, if you're a flanker and eight man and you're doing all these, you know, poaching the ball, getting all these rock arrivals, tackles, like I want to compete with those guys because as of right now, like I, I'm, a, I'm a smaller prop. I'm a little bit more lean, but at the same time, I want to be able to like compete and like be able to hold my own in the scrum while at the same time getting scrum advantages and stuff. So, uh, there's there really there's no roof for me right now and I just want to continue to you know implement that aspect that you know the sky is the limit so to speak I, I'm, I don't have any plans of slowing down right now if anything I want to continue to push myself to you know the highest standard that you know coaching staff sees in me and like I want to be number one if that makes sense no mate number I, one, I number one. Yeah, I see it, mate. And and I'm a big uh, believer. And, and I would, uh, if I was involved, I would start you at one uh, for the Eagles, in my opinion. And one of the things that has stood out for your game from early on is I think your low top, low chop tackle. Sometimes the ways off of when forwards and those pods off nines, the way you shoot in, and I know you have a strong wrestling background being, a, 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 I believe, an Oklahoma State champion. Is that something that you guys as a whole, as a team... <laughs> Uh, drill. Sorry, I'm a bit of a Chancellor Gooski nose. But uh, is that something as a team that you all drill? <laughs> or is, is that just because you're a wrestling background? But I honestly believe it is a massive point of difference for you. And, and, and you know, something that, you know, I think, um, especially trying to like with that defensive emphasis of Atlanta, it is so effective the way that you shoot in on that, on that take, like, almost like takedown style and get that tackle and get back to your feet. Like, I love it, mate. I love it. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I, I definitely, yeah, I have to give my wrestling background, my wrestling coach from back in high school, you know, heavy, heavy props for that, you know. Um, I, I was really big. If you know anything about wrestling, the sweep single was kind of my move. And so, like, I'm trying, I'm constantly trying to, like, get that same kind of concept, but, like, obviously positive grade tackles is is what Scott's been drilling in our heads. You know, he's, I'm, I'm really constantly trying to leverage a man to go, a certain direction because I, I can feel where weight's going at certain times and it's it's all about trying to get on top of that so that's been my main emphasis as far as the season goes is always finish on top and always have finish with that leg drive so it's almost in a sense kind of try to break that wrestling mentality because it's not a circle you're on a rectangular pitch so you want to be you want to finish on top you want to put them behind the game line so you know for me that, that's 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 really it at the end of the day like I, obviously my, my wife loves to brag about me in my 2015 state champ days so uh i'm trying to like kind of not be known as a sweep single guy I'm I, was definitely... a, I was a cross-country runner <laughs> played for american football and stuff like that yeah. <laughs> like cool like wrestling yeah just to watch out just look out the curtains before you go to bed mate you might have someone hanging around the bedroom there i think but uh hey lads it's, it's actually awesome listening to Listening to the stories of everyone, um, like the person behind the rugby player and how they got there, right? Matt's been away to Darlington. People may not have known that, right? Chance, you're a wrestler and you came to rugby. You know, there's other people that have come from other sports and that's just the, the way at the moment in our country here. What does it mean to you fellas now that it's announced today that uh, USA have an official bid in for the 2027 right. World Cup, but it may be 2027, it may be 31. But for guys like you that have been on these journeys, like what would that mean to you for America I mean, to host a World Cup? 
I, I remember when sevens was announced in the Olympics and I was like, I could be an Olympian. Uh, then I found out I don't really like sevens. They run away from you. I like when, <laughs> when lads run at you. I've got no problem. I tackle anybody if they want to run over. <laughs> but I gotta, when they run away from me, yeah, it's not my thing. But I just remember what that, as a young, like I think I was 17 at the time, and I was just like laser focused. I want to play sevens in the Olympics. Yeah. And I, I just think rugby is such a great sport that if it got the viewership that it should in North America, that it is going to make fans for life. And it just, every kid is going to want to play this sport because it's amazing. Every, like I, I say to everybody, like we're modern day gladiators We're these big men who go and beat the crap out of each other and then have beers after. And like, we're nice, humble guys, <laughs> like shake you know, hands and everything. Yeah. I love it. Stuff. And what about you chance? Uh, you know, the thought of uh, a world cup, in America, in you know some of the biggest college stadiums, NFL stadiums, MLS stadiums, what does that mean to you? And the, and the the journey you've come from, where that just wasn't the carrot, you know, when you started out, it was purely for the passion and the yeah, as you I'm, say, the gladiatorial nature. No, I, I think it's definitely it's it's surreal, is what I can is what I can say at the bottom line of it is you know, I mean, for me being an American, growing up in the state of Oklahoma, like. You, you, you don't think that rugby could ever make it, you know, as far as it already has and the time span in which it has. So I know for me, it's it's almost made it a reality in that sense, you know, having this ability to grow as fast as it has and, you know, reach out to as many number of people as it already has. You know, I, it's going to continue to grow as period uh, just on that. I think at the end of the day, you know, to see that the possibility, you know, of, you know, it coming here to the States is, is something to obviously be admirable about and be very proud of, you know, to see it grow. You know, I think it's going to continue to. And at the end of the day, I'm just happy to see that it's it's, it's getting the recognition that it deserves. And as though it might not be as big as we want it to right now, I know that a few years time from now, it's, it's only going to be just double thumbs up for me. I don't know. I, I talk about <laughs> just, it all the time. When you watch the Super Bowl at the start of the Super Bowl, you know they wheelchair those old guys who are all crippled and yeah. just play for the love of the game. I cannot wait in like, 30, 40 years time, they wheel me out. Like, uh. Oh, I thought you thought, I thought you meant that was going to be in France. The World Cup in France, they'd wheel you out, no? Yeah, they'll me off. <laughs> so, hey lads, on, on that note, let's say, because um, they're talking about maybe there could be a game in Canada as well. So if you could pick any stadium that you'd like, right, I could play a World Cup game in a stadium in America or Canada and all my family could be there, where would you like to play? Ooh, well, I mean, I've been begging Rugby Canada to have a game in Montreal, my hometown, for the longest time. And it was almost going to happen, then COVID kind of canned it. So I would love to play a game in the Olympic Stadium in Montreal. Yeah, that's a big one. That's a good one. You have a lot of Frenchmen. Yeah, that would get you excited. What about you, Chance? I don't know. I, You know, just kind of checking stuff out. Like, I've seen some cool stadiums in my day, obviously in the States. But like I don't know, like I never seen anything like the Sophie Stadium. Yeah, like the one that that, that LA has been playing in, and I, I played it, and I was like, this that looks mad. Like it almost brings you. I've had the opportunity to play in like Dallas Cowboys Stadium. Oh, you did? Stadium. Yeah, I've gotten a chance to play there back actually in high school. Oh wow! Um, playing for the top teams in Texas, oh. and so like playing in that kind of environment was really cool. But like I think something like that, like it just looks high tech it looks like you're playing in outer space i don't know something like that just yeah, yeah. Unreal to and, me, I, so. and i think for the world cup they'd like todd you said this is amazing but we need like a rugby pitch on it and i yeah you know, I, I would assume obviously for the world cup that w- they would put proper grass in proper rugby pitch and it would be even more incredible oh that'd be mad that'd be so good yeah, it's obvious that you guys are very, you know, astute professionals when it comes to the game. But there are any things, you know, off the field for recovery, for for you know, for your own, you know, personal mental health, or or, or anything that you guys use in your in your preparations uh, week on week out. Yeah, I mean, we've been uh, we've been doing sensory deprivation tanks down at Floasis. Um, so yeah, if, if you've never done a float before. You're in a bunch of salts. Uh, body temperature is the, the water is the same as your body temperature. So you just kind of float there naked and no sound, no light, no taste, no smell, nothing. Um, you don't really realize how much stimulus there is in, in your daily life. So when you take that away, it just kind of lets your brain take a big, deep breath, and relax. When you come out of it, you're crystal clear. You're super calm. Um, I'm a pretty stressful person and I'll come out of Floasis and I'll be like, 
you know, <laughs> messy roommates, not a problem. Don't mind it. <laughs> yeah, fully zenned out at the yeah. end of the day. Traffic, it's, who cares? It doesn't matter. <laughs> so your roommate pays for you to go. <laughs> yeah, they should start. Yeah. <laughs> Straight up, yeah. Oh, good. Well, oh, shout yeah. out Floasis. That sounds awesome. I've actually used a float, uh, float tech myself, big meditation kind of guy. And I, I do think it's it's pretty awesome if you can find it. And then, um, you know, from all of us at, at the show, I think it's a pleasure to have you guys on. I think um, it's been really insightful getting some behind the scenes of what's going on in Atlanta, but also getting to know you guys personally a little bit as well. Uh, really appreciate your time. And I know from, from Rob and Todd, uh, we're really grateful. Awesome. Thanks a lot, guys. We yeah. appreciate it. It's been fun. Pleasure's all ours, it's truly. Good. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, cheers, lads. I think, you know, you've really put in some of the, the, the best performances in the history of MLR this year. And, uh, you know, you're all primed to take that form into the playoffs. So good luck this weekend against New York on your travels. And, uh, and, and yeah, we're, we're really looking forward to seeing how you can even um, keep on this uh, wave for the rest of the uh, Surf this <laughs> wave now for these last five We're San Diego. It works for us. It's a good reference. <laughs> Uh, no, truly, thank you guys for having us. It, uh, it means a lot and obviously appreciate you guys' words. So thank you very much. Also, guys, it, it was great to have uh, the Atlanta boys on. You know, we've we've hyped them up for a few weeks on this pod and, and to get a bit of insight at what's going on behind the curtain, a bit about their culture, their identity, to the stories. I absolutely loved it. I mean, there's there's no secret sauce that they're uh, that they're taking or drinking potion. It, it's uh, they they tell it how it is. Um, a lot of hard work, and they play for each other and under under a structured uh, thing. I mean, uh, Scott Lawrence. I know uh, Paul Santinelli's part of it. You know, Stephen Brett. That uh, they definitely have uh, something special going on there. I mean, they're, they have a tough game coming up, but it was great to have those guys. You know, Canadian and Americans sitting down, kind of have a little good banter. So it was. Uh, I, I really did enjoy it. Yeah, great fun. And uh, you could see clearly, you know, hardworking, humble guys and they're, they're having a good time. I mean, uh, Chance couldn't stop smiling, I think, through through half of it, thinking about how well they've been playing through the season and how much he's enjoying his teammates. So no, we're really looking forward to the New York game. It's going to be a fantastic test. No, I loved it. The way their eyes lit up talking about smashing each other, the way they defend and, and how they live for it. I, I, I loved it. And I, and I know for sure Rob Hoadley loved it. Uh, he, he lives and breathes that. But for everyone listening, for you guys, Todd Clever, Rob Hoadley, thanks so much from us for listening to the show this week. We really appreciate it. That is a wrap on this week's State of the Union, where we talk all the biggest stories in the global and American rugby season. And we have some of the sit-down interviews with some of America's best rugby talent out there. And so thanks again for everyone. A reminder to keep following us on social media, on Instagram, at The American Rugby Show, on Twitter, at The Am Rugby Show. Keep sharing our content. Keep helping us grow. We really appreciate it. Watch out for the MLR Breakdown, which drops every Tuesday on our YouTube and our audio platforms and Wednesdays on the Rugby Network. That is where we get into all the analysis. We break down the games. We preview the next round and we really get all the technical out there. And then we give you all the banter and the interviews and that stuff uh, on this one. So keep supporting us. We'll see you again soon. From Alex Corbacero, Rob Hoadley and Todd Clever, that is a wrap and we'll speak soon. Lastly, a big thank you for this week's show, which was brought to you by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.